Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this house today? Thank the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we give Jesus praise? Oh, God, we praise you today, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. All the praise and honor and glory is due to your name today, Jesus. Today, we praise you. We praise you. Today, I want to deal with the topic. I could do a typical Mother's Day, but I am not going to go there today. I want to, we are talking about a mother, and actually the lady in our, in our lesson is actually going to be a widow today. And so we're going to cover both of those grounds. But I want to talk to us today because I want to hit every scope. I've always been a, the type of guy that when you, when you zoom in on one demographic, sometimes you miss the whole congregation. I don't want to be that guy because there's needs in here today. And I want mothers to be touched, fathers to be touched, um, children, even younger kids in here. I want you to glean something from the word of the Lord today. And the word is so powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. He is able to do things that, that we can't do. And so today, may God bless His Word and anoint me as I try to minister to you today. Your formula for success. Now, if you were like me, whenever you were coming up in school, when you heard the word formula, you had an anxiety attack. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Today, I'm not going to throw some Albert Einstein Juju on you and throw it on the screen. I don't want to lose you before I even get started today. I, I, I didn't like that formula stuff either. But today, scripturally, I'm going to keep it as simple as I can. And I want to tell you a formula that when you leave this place today, I promise you, you are going to walk away in a state of success. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now today I could get you to memorize that verse. It's pretty simple, cut dry, to the point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now what I want you to grab from this is this. The first four words of the Bible are so powerful. For this is the way it reads. In the beginning, God. What better way could we start off in creation than those words, before we have a sun, before we have a moon, before we have men and women to mess up things, in the beginning, God. There is nothing more perfect, there is nothing more beautiful when you come to a world that is full of void and darkness is upon the face of the deep and all of a sudden God shows up in the beginning. Now, God could have placed these words in the middle of the Bible. He could have even placed them at the end of the Bible. But instead, when he started off the Bible, he wanted people to understand a simple concept that rung true way back yonder, and it still rings true today, and that is God. Anybody with me? First. God first. And so whether today you are a mother, a father, a child, it doesn't matter who you are in this room today. If you will be willing to put God first, I promise you today that regardless of your social or economic status, I promise you that you will leave this place successful. And the blessings of God is going to come on your life. Somebody say, oh, you're trying to preach that prosperity preaching. Well, I'm just preaching the Bible to you. 
And the Bible tells me that when God is first, there's some beautiful things that happen. Because when we seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, all of these other things are going to be added to us. Now, I was reading in my Bible, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8 through 24. As I was reading, this is what I found, a very, very interesting story. It is a profound story, but it is what I'll call a pattern story, meaning that we could take this story and we could literally utilize it for our life right now, right here today as a pattern, as a blueprint as to how God wants us to live. Watch this. Now, there is a widow, also a mother, but she's in even worse shape because the husband that, of course, was the father of the son is now dead. Now, back in the days, the man was the breadwinner, right? What would you men do if I got under such a knot and I told the wives to go quit their jobs tomorrow? I'm afraid we'd take a hit in the tithing and offering. So I'll just go with the side women. Y'all keep working, all right? Keep working. But back then, the women didn't really work much. They just kept the house and things such as this. And so when the man died, it left the woman in a very vulnerable state because she needed resources. And so it put her in a position, her breadwinner is gone. The one that was actually bringing the food home, now he's gone. She finds herself not only a mother, but a widow mother. It is a very precarious place and situation to be in. This lady in the story, and I will not read it for time's sake, but you may know it well. She is left to a handful of flour and a little oil in a jug or a vessel. That is all that she has. There is a drought, the greatest that the world has ever known, that has hit the land. With a son to feed, she fears that she as a mother and as a widow is not going to be able to take care of her family. The Bible literally tells us that this was going to be her last meal. For the Bible says that the woman said, I am going home and I am going to need a little dough and I'm going to bake a little cake. And me and my son are going to eat it and then we are going to die. It is much like the people that are on death row. And they come in and say, what would you like for your last meal? And one guy was talking that day. The guy was so messed up that he told him he'd save it for later. And I know you don't understand. You don't save this for later. This is it. This is the last meal. And so here we have a lady that she thinks in her mind, this is the last food she'll ever feed her son. Now, I want to tell you, if that is the end, then what a sad story. She is a widow with a growing boy that she cannot feed. I'm going to tell you all something. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but growing boys are hard to feed. Growing girls are hard to feed. I mean, you thought when you had them as a baby it was tough, and then as they got older, and it's funny because you go buy some snacks for school lunch. You better get a different cupboard or a hiding place because in one setting, they will eat every cereal bar that is available to them. You got to do them like I do my chickens. You got to ration their food every now and then. A growing boy is hard to feed. But can you imagine as a mother, as a father for that matter, can you imagine 
having that growing boy, that growing girl, and they are sitting there and you know that they're about to starve under your care. How would you feel? I can't even imagine. If my children went to our cupboard and said, Dad, and they have told me, Dad, there's no food in here. But there really was food. It just wasn't the food they wanted, right? And we had to go shopping. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It wasn't because we were starving. Don't, don't misunderstand me. That ain't no food in here. Oh, there's a plenty of food. There's all around. You just act like a little mouse and go in there and find it. But what I'm telling you, if, if my children came to me and said, I don't, I, there's nothing to eat, Dad. And I said, oh, no, sure, there's something. And I go and I look in that cupboard and I notice that there's nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what kind of feeling that would be. I thank God today I've never had to feel that. How about you? If you haven't, you ought to thank God because there's people today that do feel this. We are a blessed people, ladies and gentlemen. We ought to give God praise for that. I'm telling you, you are blessed today. There are children that are starving. We, we, pick, we tell our kids all the time, we'll be like, oh, well, you ought to go over there to Africa. No, it's right here in our county. Children that go without. This is not something that is a rarity. It is going on in the United States of America. There are teachers, and thank God for you, and that take care of kids even when they come to school. And, and I know story after story that they feed them breakfast because they don't get it at home. It's a bad place to be. But I believe that each of us have had times like these where, where we had done all that we could do. And we had tried everything we could try and it just wasn't enough. It was never enough. Some of you parents in this building, you know what I'm talking about. There are always more bills, it seems like, than there is paychecks. And then when you add 3% more, when they say wages were at 5.5% even at an increase, and inflation was at 8.5%, that's 3% of money that's going somewhere, but it's not going in your pocket. So either way, you understand the struggle, even in the day that we live in. There are times when you simply do not know how you are going to keep the lights on. I have taught the families that didn't know where they were going to get supplies from or food from, and they had to trust God. They didn't know how they would put it on the table. You know, when I was growing up, I remembered, and I may have told you before, some of you have never heard it, but we had a little lady in our church, her name was Sister Collins, and Sister Collins was just one of those precious old simple saints of God, all right? But she could pray heaven down. I mean, she just anointed, walked in favor. But I remembered her, and she told the story of how that her kids, when they were younger, and she said, we didn't have anything, nothing in the cupboards, no food whatsoever. She said, we were so broke, we had paid our bills, didn't have any money left. And she said, I thought, God, what am I going to do? I've got these, I can't remember, it was three or four kids. It was several back then, but it may have been six. Y'all know how them people used to have children, amen, hallelujah. And y'all wonder why the churches were bigger. Get the work, hallelujah. And Sister Collins talked about how the, she went and she called her kids in because she had to have faith. And she knew that God would provide. She had always trusted God. And she called her kids in and said, I want you to wash up before supper tonight. Said, we're going to be eating. She knows good and well there's nothing in that cupboard to give her children. But her amazing testimony was that while they were washing up, there's a knock that knocks on the door. And she runs to the door. And when she gets there, there's nobody standing there. But there's two bags of groceries. And she began to shout a little bit at that point and said, I know exactly what it was. The Lord sent in angel of God and brought me some groceries so I could feed my babies 
Oh, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're struggling. I'm telling you the words that I want you to understand today is the powerful truth that God gives us. Maybe you are struggling. Maybe financially you're struggling. Maybe emotionally you are struggling. But God has sent a powerful truth for me to tell you today a plan. It is a simple instruction from an old prophet and old man, a God named Elijah. And that is this. You will have all that you need and God will will sustain you. That means that God will strengthen you physically. He will support you mentally. He will support you spiritually. Are you ready for this? Because God is about to give us a formula for success through his word. So after the widow tells Elijah that she only has a little flour, she's got this little bit of oil, we're about to do the last meal, and then we're just going to die for me and my son. The prophet of God gave her two simple instructions. Are you ready? The first thing that he said to this woman in her distress, he said, do not be afraid. Who do you think you are? I mean, here I am eating my last meal, and you want to talk about don't be afraid. Go to my next scripture. Let's go to Isaiah 41. This is what God says in Isaiah. He said, be strong. He said, for I hold you by my right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, look, this is the word of the Lord to you. Don't be afraid, for I am here to help you. See, what Elijah understood that the lady had forgotten is that God never leaves us, nor does he forsake us. He goes with us even unto the end of the age. And so God is saying, fear not to this lady. The second thing that he says is, uh, you know, I'm kind of hungry myself. So when you go to make your meal, would you just make mine first? Now, I'm going to tell you something right there. All right, mamas, help me out here. You got your oil. You got your meal. You can bake one cake, and you can split it in half. And you can give it to him. He's probably, he's a growing boy. He's still going to be hungry. You're not really going to be full either. It's just a little portion. And now all of a sudden there's this guy coming in talking about don't be afraid. Just give me your food. I mean, it's almost like a, a, a robbery. Without a gun or a knife. He's just like, would you please just go ahead, go bake me one first. Now, the first thing that I would think, I mean, what would y'all think of your pastor if I came to your house and all you got's a Twinkie in the drawer and I'm talking about, hey, I'm kind of hungry. Would you give me that Twinkie? And y'all sitting over here talking about this is what we eat for supper tonight. The first thing you would say about me is that's a selfish preacher. That's a selfish man. He don't care about us. But understand, the story is not about Elijah's selfishness. It is about the widow's obedience. See, sometimes we get tangled up in this stuff and we see it through our lens and through our perspective. But I'm going to tell you, when God starts working, it may look crazy. But I promise you, honey, it's going to work out in the end. Just go with it. So the little lady decides, I'm going to have this little bit of faith. She goes in there and he tells her a promise. He says, if you will provide for the God's servant first, then. Somebody say then. After you do it, the bin of flour will not be used up. The jar of oil that you've been pouring from, it will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth and the crops 
are going to grow again. Let me tell you something. That is called divine provision. It is not supposed to happen. It does not make sense that it can happen. But that's what you call divine providence. When God comes on the scene and says, Hey, I'm the one that takes care of you. You don't have to trust on the government to do that. You don't have to trust the pastor to do that. Just trust in me because I'm going to keep all and I'm going to keep flour in your house. Because I'm the only one that can do it anyhow. So the profound truth is simple. That you give to God what is His first. Somebody say first. I, I need you to grab that. Not second, not third, not last. You give to God what is His first. And God will make sure... That you always, y'all hear that word? That you will always have enough for yourself and for your family. But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So as inflation goes up and wages go down, don't you worry because in Egypt, And Israel, whenever the bondage was going on, you remember what God was doing? It's like God drew a line in the sand. And on the left side with the Egyptians, they're suffering. On the left side with the Egyptians, they're dying. But over here with God's people, there's nothing happening to them. That's the God that we serve. So if we can just believe in Him and have faith, God is going to work out everything if we'll give Him what's His first. See, it's a simple concept. If God's not first in your life, the promises of God that I'm speaking today, they aren't for you. That's sad, but it's true. You've got to put Him first in order to expect God to bless you in this kind of way. God doesn't do this for half-hearted Christianity. God does not do this for lukewarm Christianity. God does not do this. No, 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 no. He doesn't do it just because we deserve it. He does it because of our obedience to Him. How many of you, they want to put God first in your life? You don't want Him second. You want Him first. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm I'm speaking over your life today because there is a blessing. My God, there is a blessing that is coming over you if you can just trust God for that miracle that's coming into your life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So here we have this giving to God. But if I reverse that order, if I turn it over and make God last, then guess what you will have? You will have what your hand can provide for you. And understand today, your hand is limited. What you can do for yourself is limited. Mama and daddy, what you can do for your children is limited. That is why I've invited God into my house. Because his hand is unlimited. He is the hand that gives and he keeps on giving. He blesses and he keeps on blessing. And it's a simple truth. Make me first the first. Listen, the first part of your day. When you get up and I'll be Jesus, I thank you for the breath that you've given me today. Make him the first part of your week. When you get up Monday morning and you're a little ill and you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you ought to give God glory that, you know what, I'm going to make today a great day. And not only is 
today going to be a great day. But this is going to be a great week because God is going to be with me. He is the first of your gifts. Not the leftovers, the first. So I put God first in everything. See, give God the first. God doesn't want leftovers. He doesn't want leftovers. He wants my first fruits. Say, understand with me today, it is a problem with God. God is a jealous God. He made it clear to us that if you are going to worship me, you cannot serve another. He made it clear to us. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money or whatever you want to call. You cannot. You have got to put me first. And I am going to bless you. And somebody said, well, I'm already blessed. Well, that's good. Well, I'm telling you, God's going to bless you more than you're blessed. Because what I'm telling you today, this is a biblical principle. God deserves more than my leftovers. Because he gave me his best. For God so loved the world that he gave what? Mama, could you do it? Could you do it today, Dad? I mean, could you just say, hey, if y'all want to sacrifice for these people over here that's been sinning, for these people that live with, for the murderer, for all these child people that have, that have dabbled in sin and, and, and done wrong sexually to those people, are we, are we going to die for them? And you give your daughter, you give your son. If y'all like me, your head's already shaking now. But that's exactly what God did. He said, here, you can have my son. He's perfect. He didn't do anything to you. He didn't do anything to get to, to, uh, to have this in his life. He, did, he doesn't deserve it. He, he's innocent. He's pure. He's sitting on a high and lofty throne. And people are going to worship him and praise him. His name is going to be exalted. But here he goes. Take him. You can have him. And that is exactly what God did. So every time that I think I'm going to be half-hearted when it comes to God, God forgive me for the thought. Every time that I want to half-praise God, God forgive me for that because you didn't withhold anything from me. You gave me Jesus Christ today so that I could live. If you did that for me, the least I can do is give you everything I've got. the least I can do and so we go on into our story when we live this type type life in the supernatural flow of God's provision we live a life with the hand of God in it and God continuously blesses us it is a conscious choice that we make it is the decision will we put God first or will we not but here's the best part of the story so when the woman puts God first as we know she did she thought she was just going to receive a miracle of provision for flour and oil, right? Which at the moment was the greatest need. In that moment, it was the greatest need. Now, there's something about us humans. All that we tend to be able to see is what our greatest need is right now. That means if you're sitting in Chick-fil-A parking lot and you've been waiting for 10 minutes, it's totally unacceptable. In this moment, I need chicken and I need it now. It's when you go to a restaurant that has a drive-thru and there's this huge sign about as big as me that says, you may have a wait, but be assured, 
we make our food fresh to order. Five minutes in, we're squalling and we're tired of it because we need it and we need it now. There is something about us humans. The other day, I hadn't ate all day and I was kind of feeling like, oh, whatever, woozy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to have something to eat. And it's the words that we say all the time. It's really, it's really sad because we're not. But we're like, I'm starving to death. No, you're not. You're not starving. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Calm your tail down. All right, you haven't eaten three hours. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. It is in the moment that we think we need it and we need it now. And this woman... Could have lived in the moment and said, oh man, God said he's going to bless me. If I'll just put him first, woo, God's going to give me everything I need, man. There's always going to be oil and flour. Thank you, Jesus. But God went far beyond the oil and the flour. For her son, in the middle of a famine, fell ill, sick to death. The Bible said that the breath goes out of him. To which she looks at the man of God and says, you told me if I'd put God first. And he's like, hey, isn't there still oil? Isn't there still meal? Well, yeah. But see, this is the promise of God. That God will always take care of you and your family. Not, God isn't just going to bless you in the moment. God has already looked down the road. And what he's seeing is she put me first back then. I'm going to bless her now. And all of a sudden, the man of God takes that kid upstairs, lays him on a bed, lays on him three times. It's kind of a a weird story, but he prays over him. And the Bible said the breath of God entered into him. God wanted to prove to her that when you obey God with a simple jar of flour and a jug of oil, it is the very thing that will attract the supernatural power of God into your life. And there's a miracle for you even after that. Even when your son dies, the miracle of God is still working. It is her faithfulness with the little that moved her into a zone of favor and the miraculous, not just for the moment, but literally for the rest of her life. I'm trying to tell somebody today in simple terms that when you put God first, you will not only have favor in a moment, if you keep God first. Are you ready for this? I am trying to tell you, you will have favor for the rest of your life. That's powerful right there. Some of you ain't ready to walk in that blessing. Evidently, you go, oh, that sounds pretty good. Are you kidding me? I'm going to get a swallow of water while y'all process what I just said. Because I'm about to thirst to death. I'm just kidding. What I'm telling you is the favor of God is on your life from this point forward. But when you get to a place that you start backing off, and you say, well, the Bible's not that important today. Reading the Word, that, that's not a big deal. I've read the Bible before. I don't need the Word. You know, that's a famous excuse. Oh, I really don't have time to, you know, really pray today. I've, I've been busy in the Lord's work. You know, I remember one wise advice that a pastor gave me. And when I started pastoring, he said, especially when you first go to a church, he said, you're going to feel overwhelmed. He said, because people are going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to meet you. After a few years, they won't even care you're there anymore. But until that point, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel busy. And you're going to feel like everybody's pulling you from every direction. And somebody's wanting to start a ministry all of a sudden over here and over there. And a few years in, you're like, I wish they'd call me now and want to start that ministry again. 
But he said, in that time of the pull, people are pulling from you. He said, there's only one word of advice I have for you, and I've never forgot it to this day. He said, don't ever forget to take time in your personal walk and relationship with Jesus. He said, because it is so easy when you're trying to do the Lord's work that you get caught up in His work and in His kingdom and there's nothing wrong with that. And you're helping with people and this, that, and other. He said, but if you forget about your own soul care and taking care of you and talking to Jesus for yourself, not necessarily your church or people in your church, but for you and your spiritual web. He said, if you're not careful, you are going to miss out on something. You've got to keep God first. I'm telling you folks, the favor of God is... It's about to come down in somebody's life today that will yield to a spirit of obedience. Listen, if you want success in your life, put God first. If you've got a marriage that is struggling and on the rocks and you're sitting here thinking, Oh God, honey, we're not going to make it. I'm telling you today. Sure, you can call me. We can set some canceling sessions if you'd like to do it. I'm ready. But I promise you that when you get in that room, the first thing I'm going to say to you, is put God first. Because I'm telling you, if we, in the beginning, God, if we could get the first four words of the Bible down pat, we'd have a lot less problems than we have in the world today. If we could learn to put God first, all of a sudden our kids that have been acting like hellions, uh, they start acting a little better. If we can put God first, churches that seem to have division, all of a sudden the unity of God begins to flood that place. Uh, if we can put God first, uh, the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in our lives and in our churches again. But God has got to be. Come on, somebody, and talk to me. He's got to. Be first. Go to the piano, Susan. I'm closing. I promise I am. So first is, is the position, the priority that God wants in our lives. If, if we can get these first four words right, everything else has fallen into place. I have never, you know, I used to, anybody watch racing in here? Oh, poor racing. There was a day we had our glory days. There was a day when there was a guy named Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon that kept the entertainment on that track, praise God. Even get a little WWE after one of them slapped each other with their mask on and broke their own finger doing it. It's great. Wonderful. But I remember back in the day, and I don't do it much, me and my wife used to go home on Sunday evening, we sit there and we just watch the race. I try to figure out now why I watch people circle a track for 585 laps. It makes no sense to me now, but it did then. But I love when they get in a wreck. Isn't that horrible? We're some demented people. The entertainment that we need these days. I'm like, yes, a wreck! Oh, God, he died in turn three. Oh, God. Bless the family. Anyhow, listen. And so, I remember old Jimmy Johnson used to be my guy, man. I love something. But that was Dale Earnhardt, of course, first. But, but after Dale Earnhardt died, he actually died racing and uh, in a wreck. But then Jimmy Johnson came along. I'm, man, yeah, I love Jimmy Johnson. So I go to church, have a couple people watch it. And they're like, man, how's your guy doing? Oh, boy, he won the race. Woo! Next week, uh, how you guy do? Uh, he was 27th when I left. Uh, there is nothing about me that celebrated anything less than number one. 
It might have been a good point today. If he came in number five, I don't care. I wanted my driver to be in position number one. And I'm telling you, I think that's the way God is today. That he wants to be number one. He doesn't want to be number three. He doesn't want to be number five. Somebody said, well, you know, I take time for God whenever I get a chance. All right, God's number seven in your life. Right after your kitty cat at home, right? I mean, we got to give Fido and the kitty some loving. And then we're sleepy. We fall asleep. Where's God? I mean, it's bad when, when the cat's beating out God. But in a lot of lives, I'm afraid it is because we just kind of push him to the back. The supreme, the creator, this God that has promised me. I mean, my cats, a cat and a dog can be irritating at times. They purr and they bark and they act dumb. Let's just be real, all right? We think, man, if I could just get rid of you, I'd... uh, Something happened to them, we cry for three days. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this God has promised me. If you will put me first, everything you touch, I'm going to bless. Everywhere you go, favor. I'm looking after you. Why in the world would we not want him to be first? So too many people think the only time that they come to God is when nothing else is working. It's to treat God like the Red Sea crossing. When it's the last resort, all we can do is call on God or we're going to die. Even the last resort, in which some people said that even the atheist believes in God when they get on their deathbed because he's the last name they call. They call on him during catastrophic times when their world is falling apart. It is the 9-11 Christianity. That everybody's putting up American flags and and they're having vigils and they've got lidded candles and they're they're praying for their communities. You seen any of those lately? No. We wait for catastrophe to fall. They think that is what God is for. But the truth of the matter is that God needs to be first all the time, not just in our crisis. The greatest testimony... Repentance that is born in the storm usually dies in the calm. Because they come to God during their storm. And when things smooth over and God tries to bless and God does help, all of a sudden the next thing we know when the storm is over, they go right back to doing what they were doing before. The best testimony is not, oh my goodness, oh man, God brought me from all this past. The greatest testimony is I've been delivered and ever since the day I came to Jesus, I've been trusting God ever since. He's been first in my life. The first thing Elijah said in closing to the widow was this, do not fear. Thousands of years later, Jesus says the same words to us today, fear not In financial calamity. Fear not when you receive a bad doctor's report. Fear not when you can't find your way in the storm. Why? Because you have nothing to fear when God is first. Because even when you can't see the way that God is planning. You know in your heart God's up to something right now. He's working for me. He's making a way. Let's all stand. 
Moses had died. Joshua is about to become the new pastor of a congregation. And I think this verse will tie together everything that we've talked about. I'm talking about your formula for success. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. This is the word that God said to Joshua. He said, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. Be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey. Somebody say obey. Did you see it? Obedience is a key ingredient. Obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, anybody with me? Then, after I have obeyed, after I have not deviated from what God has told me to do, then you will be successful in what? Y'all ain't ready to receive this blessing today, are you? In everything you do, you're going to be blessed. Study this book of instruction continually. That means get your Bible down. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to what? Obey. What? Everything. See, I want God to bless me in everything. I just don't want to obey in everything. Are y'all with me? That's not the way this thing works. That's, that's not how it works. Obey everything written in it. Only then, he stresses it yet again, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command to you. Be strong and courageous! Exclamation point. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. That's all I got to say today. I'm done. That is your formula for success. And if you'll do that. I promise you. Mamas. Daddies. Kids, everybody in this building today, you are going to walk in favor like you never had before when you start obeying everything that God told you to do. In everything you touch, it is blessed today. Do you love Jesus today? Can you shout amen in the presence of God? I receive your word today, Jesus. Father, today I love you. I praise you for who you are. I praise you for your powerful son, Jesus Christ. I am asking you today to let us recognize you want to bless us. There is never a day that goes by that you don't desire to do something special in our life. But Father, when we have put you down the totem pole and we have made you second, third, some even last, when we have done this and we have failed to obey everything that you've given us to do, God, it's as if we relinquish the blessings in favor of God on our life. And I'm asking you to forgive us for that. I want to walk in favor. I want everything I touch to be blessed. I want everything I do to be blessed. So today, Father, we submit to you. We submit to your word. It is our only desire to serve and obey your voice and to do whatever we can do to forward the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. I'm going to give you just a few announcements and I'm going to let you go. Junior talent practice Wednesday, May 11th at 6.30. During our service, actually, they're going to be in the back practicing. Talent competition is next Saturday, May 14th at Praise Cathedral. The group will be performing in the 1.45 hour. So you might want to arrive just a little early, maybe 1.30, just to make sure you're there and at the right location. Also, for Gap 
for our Gap Widows. We've actually got, um, on May 17th, meet here at the church at noon. They're going to be going to Dyer's for lunch. Man, I might identify as a widow that day, Susan. Sounds fun. Six Mile is the Queen of Festival. It's May 21st. There's a sign-up sheet. We've got just a, really need that today. If you're going to help Gap, Gap Hill, we'll have a booth set up. And um, Carrie Monroe is, is going to be there. It's only one-hour increments uh, that they'll need you for. And uh, be handing out balloons, water, and info representing the church, to my understanding. So we're looking forward to that. Thanks to all that helped serve there. May 29th, Family Day. The children will be joining us in worship. I love that every time we do that. And in Church God State's camp meeting is going to be June 12th through June the 15th. Amen. How many of you are going to walk in favor? If you are, shout amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day in Jesus' name.